What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Marvel Schmarvel. Yes, we're back. We've had a little bit of a break, and we're here to talk about the big guns of Marvel, I think. This year, these are probably two of the biggest things that they've put out thus far, and uh, I'm here talking with myself, obviously. I'm Steve, and uh, I'm here, as always, with... I'm Ron. And I'm John. Yes, you are those people. And I am not just by myself, and I just don't know how to speak anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so those watching this on the, the standard YouTube feed, welcome back. If you happen to subscribe to Movie Schmovie, you might be wondering, what am I listening to? This is not episode number XXX, whatever the next one in the feed would be. This is not right. Something's wrong with the timeline or what, what's happening, Ronald? What's going on? Tell, tell, what, t- tell us what's happening. So the timelines branched off, man, and somehow oh, that's what it was. Right, Marvel Schmarvel timeline is intersected with the Mar- movie Schmovie timeline. The TVA is on the case, and yeah. we, we gotta we gotta take care of it while we can. But right now, <laughs> let's 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 flood their ears with Marvel talk. At least so, while the timelines all. So at the beginning about. of this, you said Steve, you said Ron, I said John. I mean, obviously that's what we're called in whatever. Yeah universe we're in mm-hmm. but right, right we are we numbered in some way like are we the variants because i kind of feel like right now i'm a variant from the marvel schmarvel youtube only show the exclusive to youtube show marvel schmarvel right and now i'm right. I'm, I'm i'm on marvel schmarvel on youtube right now but i'm also on a on a podcast feed i'm yeah i'm existing in two places at once so does that uh, mean there's two of me or does that mean i'm in two pl- i don't know I'm, I'm i'm really confused yeah I'm, I am assuming the role of Ronald James, but this, on this timeline or, or the life that I know, I'm Roland Jones. So that's all that's all I know. But but to be clear, the timeline that we're on is actually the Marvel Schmarvel timeline still. Yeah. Somehow, yeah. some way we've just managed to jump and parallel at the same time with with the movie movie world or, right. you know. Yeah, I don't know. This we've is we've crossed timing. over with the sacred pod feed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's it's good timing because Marvel themselves seem to be doing a lot of this in uh, all of the IP that they're putting out, all the content that they're putting, whether it's from Disney Plus um, or what we know is coming down the line in some of the Marvel movies. Maybe not so much in uh, in Black Widow, which came out you know recently in theaters. Uh, well, last week actually. But the Loki season finale on Disney Plus definitely played a lot with this, which we've kind of been leading up to all season. Um, but it does seem like this is something that is timely for us as a podcast slash YouTube feed, you know, because Marvel, the, the the subject of a lot of our conversations, as at the point in this phase four, I guess, that's now, uh, you know, kind of kicking off, that that's basically seems like, it's going to be the, you know, the, the, whatever the word is, like, it's, it's going to be the, the, the crux, the, the, the base, the foundation of what a lot of these movies and TV shows are going to be talking about. You know, what do you guys think without getting into anything that we're going to talk about in a moment with the movie or the TV series specifically, but just the idea of what we know about Dr. Strange, what WandaVision teased a little bit, you know, what, what if you know, we what, what if what we're hearing about Spider-Man, like all this stuff, you know, what is what is your take on what Marvel could do with this idea 
of a multiverse um, and the way it can collide with with what we've been watching so far in the MCU going forward. What do you, what do you think, Ronald? I guess start with Ronald. Sure. Um, I think it's really cool. I mean, whether whether it's a marketing tool or not, it's 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 a cool tool that they can use to clean up the things that they don't like and introduce some things that we may not be too familiar with, which I think is a cool idea. I mean, pretty, pretty much we've been playing around with the only real jumps that we've been having in the Marvel universe up until this point were just dimensional. Now that there's like, uh, you know, with, with the snap and stuff like that, we, we were seeing what would happen within that. And, you know, I don't, I, I think that Marvel and, I mean, to, to, to mention a competitor, DC has kind of mentioned time as a whole, like culturally, there's, there's a bunch of, uh, you know, Groundhog's Day movies. There's a lot of time, time travel movies. And that seems to be the trend right now. You talk about vampires for a little bit, talk about, well, zombies are always going to be in, in <laughs> at this point. And now time travel and Marvel is doing it in a way that feels so huge in scope. That I'm I'm pretty excited, man. This feels yeah. very new, and you don't know what the hell's gonna happen. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would kind of echo that, Ronald. I would say that, like, when you said, Steve, what? How do I feel about all those things you mentioned? Right. The, the sentence that came to my mind is things are starting to click into place. Like yeah, my yeah. understanding of what they've been talking about, what they've been hinting at, how this can work, how they can draw things out for whatever amount of time. I mean, remember how many years people waited for the Thanos thing to start yeah. making sense. And those those glimpses of the future were nowhere near as interesting, honestly, as the glimpses we've had already uh of what the future might hold you know just the implications uh, it feels bigger it feels in some ways even more fun um than than the promise of the whole infinity stone thing like i don't know there's something about there's something about this next wave everything we're talking about that sounds like it could be just so much um layered on top of of everything where it, it would start to make things seem meaningless but i think i don't know the way that i'm picturing it there's a lot of opportunities to really pay off uh, these characters that we've come to love. So I think that you can still tell stories about the characters that we follow and the scope, as you said, Ronald, can be this huge kind of mind-bending thing that I think, yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about it at the end of this episode, but the way that Loki in particular uh, tips towards that future of what might be happening, it feels like it's both huge and mind-blowing, but it also kind of makes perfect sense in some strange way based on the things that we have seen and the things that we know. So it's like... Somehow, yeah, they can make the next however many movies, 10 movies, really yeah. still trade on the 20 movies we've seen already. Because we have a real sense of, like, everything that's happened feels so monumental. And then to find out that maybe there's other versions of this story that have happened slightly differently and we might be getting to see some of that, that's that kind of opens the door to anything yeah. <laughs> that they want to really do. Does. does it make you concerned at all about, I know we talk a lot about this, like, when we're talking about the Avengers movies and just MCU in general, like I know Ronald has been pretty critical specifically, like in terms of stakes for the movies. Like, do you think that like the idea of a multiverse or, you know, these other stories that are like similar, but slightly different than the stories that we've already seen, like, do you think that affects the impact of stakes in the main, I guess the main MCU timeline, if that's what they call it? I think this does this phase has the risk of losing people the most, honestly, because, you know, the first the first go round, 
it's pretty straightforward, right? Like a big man was coming to destroy the world. And we knew that during the course of the films that, you know, these these items were being collected to to lead to something, right? This could be because people aren't familiar as familiar with the characters, there's a slight chance. I'm not saying that it will, that people will kind of be disconnected because up until this point, I mean, sure, like, sure, people didn't know Iron Man when 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 the MCU first started. But yeah. now that people are kind of becoming like these show, you know, comic book junkies and, you know, there's there's a tons of of uh, like Avengers TV shows that have kind of come into existence while this is going on. Plenty of animated things that have kind of led yeah. to you knowing about these characters. So people are up on characters that you may not have known, say, 10 years ago, but they're they're introducing ones they haven't even be, been put in those things. So like, right, right. You 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 have to make these stories solid enough or, or, or let's say engaging enough as single stories to get people to to kind of come along with the ride on the ride and not I know this is like their thing, but they can't rely so much on the fact that they're like, you know, us, we told this story. We've been telling this story for 10 years. You know us. Yeah. You have to keep winning people every single story, which is really important that they don't forget that. Right, right. Yeah. I, I, I wonder, like, uh, I guess one of the things that, like, uh, so talking scope, talking stakes, but yeah. also just kind of rounding this out with, like, the idea of a balance. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm, I'm a, a little concerned about, and I don't know how I feel genuinely about it until I see a couple more of the movies this year, but like the idea of a multiverse and the idea of like how cosmic or how kind of out there yeah. some of these properties may become like, you know, even, even to, to the extent that Loki goes to in its first season, like, do you, do either of you have any concern or any specific feeling about how the MCU can go about kind of managing a balance in terms of the scope of these movies or shows? Like, going from a show like Loki and then you look at like Falcon and the Winter Soldier or yeah. you look like like a show that's kind of grounded in a lot of ways there are super soldiers and things like that and crazy tech but it's kind of on the boots on the ground fighting you know a little it's a, or even like Black Widow you know it's a little more like those kind of things then you look at something like you know the the, the scales of the range of what these properties can go into when you start talking multiverses do you think that some of those movies, like the ones I just mentioned, or series, like would suffer because they're not as big in scope no. as something like Eternals or something like Loki I, I, I just don't like think that. so. I just don't think so because I think that we all loved Guardians of the Galaxy, and then sometime around that we were digging on Winter Soldier, and it never felt like oh these two things are so competing with each other. It felt like oh I can't wait in a weird way for these things to kind of mash up. I think the big thing would be if they hadn't handled it so well, it would seem like they were just heading for a mess, you know? Yeah. But I kind of think that like when you ask that question of like why shouldn't we worry in a way that they're that they're going to spin out is that I think they will cling to uh the major events that have happened in the past. Like I will be surprised if they undo any of the things that really have hurt, you know, or that have really helped. In, in some strange way, I think that like they're going to 
still probably find a way. Like, let's say if the Spider-Man movie that comes out in December, right? December. Mm. Um, yeah. Let, let's say it's crazy and has multiversal stuff in it. I bet we're still going to be over Tom Holland's shoulder the whole time, feeling what he's feeling, dealing with yeah. what that version of Peter Parker is dealing with. And if there are tragedies, I don't think they're going to wipe them out. I think they're going to complicate things. So in a yeah. way, I would... I'm with you, Steve, in the sense of, like, let's wait and see how they handle it. But I don't think yeah. there's necessarily anything anything concerning in the sense of like, are they going to lose the characters in, in the face of all this change? I think the bigger thing might be what Ronald's saying. And I don't think some, I think people might really come along for this ride, but I yeah. do think that the intricacy, intricacy of the stories that they're going to be telling, if these, if these things actually are multiversal and interconnected, mm-hmm. I think that some people might be more confused by Marvel movies yeah, than yeah. they've ever been in the so. past. But I think that I if agree. you're still, like for instance, we're about to, to we, we're going to get to it in a minute, but there's a character that was introduced in the last episode of Loki's season, who is the reason we're talking about all these huge concepts. And I think that episode is a good example of how the concerns that you might have had, that I even had about them introducing a character like that, it's like, oh, what you do is you cast an actor who brings something to the character. And suddenly then, it's like they said on Lost, the the best answer to a mystery is always a character, you know? Like, if you root it in a character, which Marvel has done pretty much, at least with all their heroes, yeah. maybe the villains, yeah. it's been spotty. But I don't know. I, I guess I think we have reason to be hopeful and even maybe have kind of goosebumps about the possibilities. But if it starts to feel like it's breaking under its own weight or it's gimmicky, I mean, we might know that right away. We might know that as soon as Spider-Man, before they even get to uh, Multiverse of Madness or Quantumania right, right. or these other ones. Right. But what I think we might see is like iterations of an idea until we get to like whatever the big Infinity War style event is. And it might be that Quantumania is the one where like a villain of, emerges from this chaos. But I don't, I don't anticipate yeah, yeah, yeah. them. Yeah. I don't think they're going to go so wild with it that you feel like nothing, nothing matters. I think it's just going to be like, oh my God, there's so much incident to track that you have to start yeah. making maps to understand like yeah. what's happening where. But uh, you know, I feel like that what they've done thus far is bring audiences along. So I think that that will maybe be the test, but I, I have re- I think we have reason to be hopeful that they can find a way to hook hook people and not just us who are willing to sit down and you know dig in, but like the casual audience who just wants to cheer in the movie theater. I bet they're going to get a lot of moments out of this. Yeah. Crazy I, stuff. I literally think this is a device. I get I keep saying this over and over again, but it this is a literal device to combine the things that they've just acquired and put this in a story. And technically, I know this sounds weird. Disney wants to end the multiverse just as bad as yes. the characters in the multiverse want it to end. They so, want it to be simple, right? <laughs> yeah, they want it to be simple. So one of the things that has to happen is there has to be some level of chaos because they are, at some point, I think this phase is going to be the longer of the phases. And I think that they're gonna. This is gonna be the beginnings of some of the ca- some of the characters that they acquired through Fox towards the end. I think this is like for real, regardless of like whatever Disney, whatever Disney Marvel story. This is a device, a cool device to bring everybody in and straighten out some things that they had issues with, and tell some bo- some blocks of story, like you said, John, that that they've kind of offhandedly mentioned you know that they're like you know remember when you did this mm-hmm. you know that part that's never been explained in a, in a piece of dialogue from two years ago or three years ago they're gonna play that out like you said so i think this is a cool opportunity like i said though i'm telling you based on some of the some of the things i've read 
there's something about the confusion of, like you said, Steve, the big galactic stuff. And, and, you know, as we transition a simpler story in black widow, that is, is very jarring to people that, that seems to be a thing that, that, you know, whatever level of Marvel fan you are, something's happening and they have to figure out a way to for it not to be so jarring to people but it will be regardless i don't know if they do though i mean can't they just have different flavors like you go into baskin robbins you you can hate coconut you're you're not mad that coconut's there you know i'm not talking about us who who are very okay with (laughs) open-mindedness i'm talking about that's the key though you can't hate these movies like you can't like hate them yeah you you know what i mean because because if because if you because if you if you were okay with like a steady story of like oh all right, they're in the sky. Okay, this next movie, they're on the ground. For something to go between that and then a TV show to go between, people, go, I'm telling you, yeah, I just, people are very simple, man. Well, see, and, I, feel, I feel like this is the very thing I was worrying about last time when I was talking about them trying to pile too much into the end yeah. of Loki season. And, and you guys seem to be a little bit less concerned. It's like we flipped. It's like I saw that episode and a lot of my concerns went away. And maybe you got more concerned after seeing. I got that I got episode. way more concerned. I I, I, so I just start, I was practically giddy. I was leaning forward doing this. Oh my god, this is so cool. So, so this will be a good transition because we should get into talking sure, about sure. Black yeah, Widow. Yeah, yeah. yeah but absolutely. I think honestly, my experience, and we can let's do Black Widow first since you yeah. know it came out first. It's in yeah, theaters. Right. It's on Disney yeah, Plus premiere access. It's the simpler it thing to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So my my reason for with these questions to start this episode, because these are things I've just been thinking about a lot, mm-hmm. is that, you know, literally a few days before I watched the season finale of Loki, I watched Black Widow. I yeah. finally saw Black Widow. Everybody that wanted to see it could finally see it. You know, you feel how you feel about it. But like I went from watching it one day to literally the next day watching the season finale of Loki. So that's what Ronald, I think you're <laughs> describing. Yes, so, the whiplash. <laughs> that's what I'm asking about. And granted, like usually I don't think these things will be consumed as quickly, but it's just like you three you, more movies are coming out. No, yeah. no, no. I know, I know. No, I'm saying literally days within one another. Yes. I'm saying. But what I'm saying is what we're talking about right now, and then three more movies, and then uh the Venom sequel Hawkeye, that people Hawkeye. That, and Hawkeye may be mixed in with uh between yes. those movies. But yeah. then also Venom, who people I've heard so many people say this was in the Disney Marvel collection. Venom. So there's there's something I'm just saying. No, you're you're I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying that this is what prompted me to ask the question to start the the episode is simply because they are in a new phase, literally, and also just our experiences. It's been a long time before we've since we've rather consumed these Marvel properties at enough of a pace that we've talked about them consistently now for two yeah. to three months. Yeah. And we're going to, like you just said, it's going to get even more fast paced and break yeah. neck. Boom, boom, so boom. it's like having watched black widow, finally, uh, mm-hmm. you know, experiencing it with the kind of film that it is. And then going to Loki, the kind of series that it is. Yeah. That's just, that's just an example that, you know, we're discussing, you know, and we can go further later, but I mean, basically that's kind of what prompted the idea sure, of like, sure. they are, they are really exploring a lot of different types of storytelling, you know, in, in scope and setting in consequence and stakes. And I just think that it'll be interesting to see how they balance it all. Right. Um, oh yeah. It's a, but, a lot but of right stuff. now, like black widow finally out again, theaters, Disney plus premiere access for if you want to pay 30 bucks to see it. Um, what did you guys think of black widow? Finally that it's here. 
Oh man. Who's going no, first? No, I, I was. I'm, I'm looking at Ronald's a, face. I, actually, no, I was. Yeah, I, I, yeah you should so take it. So yeah. I. So okay. So um, we've we're we're getting into a lot of Marvel, and this is one of the things that I was <laughs> wondering about. The so we have the scope of these stories. So like we have Wandavision, that was mystical and magical. Um, then we went to Loki, which is all over the place and time travel. And then we get to Black Widow. That feels like a Bond film in a way. Yeah. Very heightened and, and but cool, man. Like, I think one of the things, you know, I as as things get closer, you know, and, and uh, the film gets closer, sometimes, you know, people start giving their initial thoughts, you know, critics that are like in California, they get to see the movie first. One of the things that bothered me about some of the things that I was hearing was that the villain was weak. And I didn't think the villain was weak. I think I think the idea of what this villain was is so much more terrible. It feels connected to like real world yes, misogyny man. and real world horror yes. that happens everywhere. No, I thought it was really interesting that this was not a story of like world domination. This was like we it's like a revenge it's like a James Bond revenge story. You yes. know, I mean it 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 was very personal in that way. No. And if you were wondering like what do they possibly have to deal with this character Black Widow who logistically is difficult to do a prequel about because she's dead <laughs> in the current point right. in the timeline. Yeah. But like closing the loop of her past was the smart way to go. I thought like uh, yeah. because it wasn't just finding out her background. It was the the situation that kind of spawned her was an was an unanswered question of like, well, that's wrong, right? That's like villainous what those people were doing. So yeah. it's like I I don't know. I thought that that was all. But yeah, you're right that the scope it was very. You had to kind of get to the end and think about it and go like. But I felt the same, Ronald. I thought it was a good villain. I thought in the end, I felt so satisfied by the way that the way that the villain was vanquished and the way that she did it um, to me was was cool. I mean, it reminded me of like nobody or John Wick or something like, you know, just having a person who's got a personal thing going on and they're not going to stop until they're in the room with a certain somebody and then they're going to yeah. just fucking fuck their shit up. And that just felt wow. like a cool energy that I yeah. wasn't quite expecting. So I guess I guess if I were to tell you how I felt about it, I was a little overwhelmed. And I'll tell you why. Um, I didn't know once I stepped into this film that it was going to be like an idea about agency and like what it means for a woman to have control and lose it and gain it back and fight for it in a, in a really cool way. And, you know, whatever family becomes for people who are like uh, essentially orphans in the world, it hit me in the way that I wasn't expecting. Like, sure, it was it was messy. Like, it, it felt like the third act felt a little rushed. But overall, man, I want to see more films like this. Like, you know, this reminded me of Ant-Man in the way that, like, I want to see something like Ant-Man, like Black Widow, like Thor Ragnarok that feels connected, but also its own tone. Like I don't want to. I don't want Black Widow to feel like Avengers, the way that it doesn't feel like low key. The way I want these things. I want, especially the films. It was the first film in a couple of years that felt like it had its own feel to it. I love the dynamic between the family. Sometimes I felt like it a little too jokey, 
But I really did like the dynamic of her new family or the family that she's come kind of come to know. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. The stakes felt very real. And um, we, we, we got a new star. We have well two new stars. Yeah. You know, two, two new stars have kind of emerged from this movie in a way that I'm like, I want to see everything with these, these characters now, like, you know, um, and you knew that'd be great. That's the kind of cool thing about yeah, you knew, you, David knew. Harbour and and F- Florence Pugh popping up in a Marvel movie, and even uh, Rachel Weisz, even though she didn't have quite as much to do on screen, she still had a cool, weird status. It's like, is she villainous? Is she is she good? There's a gray area to these characters, yeah. but like you knew they'd be shoo-ins because they've they've been such a good part of other like genre right. pieces they've been in. But like at the end of this movie, I was fully like, okay, yeah, just just throw Florence Pugh in. And in one of these, throw her in the mix, and of course we get a hint at the end of what that might look like. But like, yeah, David Harbour, this idea of this kind of uh, guy with a chip on his shoulder about being as good as the other superheroes, but he's been in this closed-off zone where he's mostly been like kind of seemingly working for the government. I think that's that's that feels really rich, you know. Like yeah. it's such an inversion of the Captain America story. Um, but I found him like believable, and I liked the way the story didn't make it too much of like a. Like he wasn't really allowed to be like this. Oh, the dad figure that's that's so important. He was just this kind of kind of a goofball. But in the end, his being a good guy did did help. But like it wasn't like I don't know. I feel like it was a very non patriarchal story in a lot of ways, for lack of a better way of putting it. And yeah. it was cool the yeah. way he was kind of he was handled as like we're we're willing to forgive you, but you're not our fucking hero. You know, I thought that was that was really funny and kind of. Um, you know, and honestly, I was a little sad knowing what happens to Nat after this movie, knowing her story. That's the one thing the movie did that Marvel movies don't usually do is like leave me with kind of a downer vibe of like, yeah, yeah. as you know, it's it it may have been something that helped the tone of the movie. But if so, it was a kind of downer tone of like, we all know this character is destined for a tragic ending. Um, but we also know that she's going to die doing something that would be meaningful to her as this this type of hero, you know? Yeah. yeah. What'd you think, Steve? I mean, again, like, I agree with you guys. Like, I thought the movie was really good. I liked it. I don't yeah. know that it's, like, top-tier Marvel for me, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, definitely, yeah. it's definitely somewhere in the middle. Yeah, same. Um, I think my biggest criticism, really, is not even against the movie. I mean, I, I, I like, literally said out loud while watching it with Aaron, I was like, it kind of makes me angry watching the movie because... I feel like this movie would have meant more. Yes. I mean, it's just like, it's just so little too late. Yeah. And I just feel like, how is this not like, how do they make a decision to base this movie post civil war, you know, and like not have it like, why, why, like, why didn't it come out then? Yeah. Yeah. Like wh- why, why was that the decision? Like why place this between two major Avengers movies basically, or a two a point five Avengers movie and you know Infinity War and like with lots of references to both, you know, and like you said, John, like, you know, it does kind of make you sad because you know what happens to Nat. And it's like if you're being a bit cynical about it, you're like, well, why does any of this movie matter beyond the idea of like Red Guardian and you know Elena and like maybe getting some new characters out of it. But I feel like if you can cons- if, if that's the main reason, then I think that's even more of an insult to her character that like yeah. these characters are like the come outs of the show. Right. Right. But I mean, she's like, upstaged you know, in her own movie kind of. Right. Right. I mean, and a lot of things have been saying that, like a lot of articles I've read have said that and I sort of, in some ways feel it. I mean, I think she's great in the movie. 
I think she's been great as Natasha the whole time. Yeah. And you know, I, she's been a standout. Like I think she's, I love Scarlett Johansson in general. And I think yeah. she's been great in, in all the Marvel movies. And it does, it just made me mad a little bit watching it thinking like it, it had, I seen this movie and, and, and gotten the family stuff and the agency that Ronald's talking about her moment in Endgame would have like hit me like a ton of bricks. Yes. Yes. It would have meant so much more when it happened. Yeah. It would have been super emotional. And I think they would have been forced to make it matter more in the movie. And I think that's one criticism that kind of Endgame gets a little bit with, 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 you know, how that's handled. I mean, I do like that scene a lot in Endgame and I think it does still mean a lot, but that's like my biggest criticism. Like, like the movie's good. It's fun. It's got good action. It's got some great action sequences actually. Yeah. And, and some great character beats. And like, it's just, there's nothing really for me to like cut down on the movie itself. Yeah. It's just, I really kind of got to ding Marvel. You know, we're, we're banging the drum all the time here uh, on Marvel Schmarvel or on the alternate timeline on movie movie. I, I just, you know, this is something that I'm just like, they kind of bungled I this. I, I didn't really think a whole lot about it. I, you know, the, the criticism's always been there. And I'm like, okay, like, but they're doing it. Let's see what they do. And it kind of pissed me off a little bit. They're like, it's a good movie. Like, it's a really fun movie to watch. And like, yeah. when I think about the scope, again, let's go back to scope, you know, and the stakes, the marriage of those two things, had they put this movie after Civil War and let us still see what happens to her and Endgame happen, again, would have mattered so much more. Yeah. We'd be crushed. And that would have made the movie even better than it was. And, right. and you know, and we loved Endgame, but it would have done so much more for a character that's been around for the better part of a decade. And the inverse of what you're saying, Steve, is also true. We knew when we saw Endgame that Black Widow was coming. Right. Right. So we yeah. knew when we saw her die, oh, we're going to see her real story in some other movie. Like, still, so it's still, another right. bungling of it. Like, it, I think what you're right, yeah. you're right, that like we do give them so much credit for handling this this run of movies so well and the characters so well. This is a case where they really underserved a, a, a really great character. Unfortunately. That yep. they also kind of like had a not great record with <laughs> as far as like introducing her in a way that was very objectified and sexualized yeah. and all that. Yeah. Um, and kind of grew out of that with a lot of movies. Uh, and then, yeah, to like underserve her in the end, it, it does. It's true that it's almost like you can be annoyed that this movie is as good as it is because yeah, that's it, where I'm at. It, it feels a little, it feels a little wrong, wrong place, wrong time. I mean, outside of just being a year late because of COVID, the other part sure. of that, I'm sure you guys had the same thing I had where we were in our house yeah. talking about it. My son and I were like, these shots feel like famous shots. But it's really just because I've seen them in like so many trailers. But like that seven, shot seven when they trailers. when they jump on like the the silo, the kind of pipe, and it's it's kind yeah. of falling, and they're or and when they're falling, everything's falling at the end, and there is like the aerial yeah. kind of battle. All that stuff felt like, and her even landing on the catwalk, uh, oh, the yeah. gang gangwalk. It's like oh, you know, this is all so familiar to me. It looks really cool, and now that I see the context, I realize how much of the movie they really were showing us in the trailers. But no, it's always funny when it's like, yeah, I've just seen this so many times. It's like a song you've heard on the radio a hundred times and then you buy the album and that song always sounds older than the rest of the album because you've heard it (laughs) the single too many times. But I think that like the action was good. And I do think that it was like for their kind of computerized grounded action, it was, it was a pretty good, you felt like the weight of things more than you often do in a, in a Marvel movie. It's still no mission impossible when it comes to like, 
feeling the <laughs> right, the right. action, but there was there was enough practical stuff and enough just sense of that that it, it did feel like maybe that was one of the things that they worked on really hard with this movie was like you said, Ronald, the Bond vibe, giving it like a feel, which these Marvel movies always talk about the different feel they have, but oftentimes when you're watching them, you don't really feel like they're that different from the others. But this does feel, especially like you said, Steve, falling in the timeline where it should have been. It would have yeah. felt like a. It was part of a kind of grounded run of like stuff that's right. ramping up to something bigger. Um, but no, it sounds like we all dug yeah. it. But I do think yeah. it's middle of the pack. But, but I also found myself like the next couple of days thinking about it a lot. The way that I did like other movies that have kind of grown since I've seen them, like Doctor Strange or whatever. Where I, I just think, oh yeah, there's some that just seem pretty good when you see them, and then the yeah, more you yeah, think yeah. about them, like you said, Steve, you can't really find that much to complain about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, this will. This will always be like when, you know, when the, when the revive after 2021 is over and the revised, this is how you watch the, these films comes up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're like, oh, you got to watch Black <laughs> Widow after yeah. this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this is going to become like essential watching. I know, you know, it's not as big. It's not, it's like a middle, it's like a lower tier Marvel film. But that's what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for not everything to be like Avengers Endgame. I've been waiting for everything to not be that scale necessarily. And I and I like that we have like films that are a little smaller in scope, like Ant-Man and this, and that just are like, I'll I'll watch it again. Oh, right. there's some there's some scenes I was like, oh my god, like that. Okay, so when Taskmaster first comes, mm-hmm. um, that fight on the bridge, fight yeah. on the bridge, that's great. And fight, man, when when I, I guess the big thing when Nat gets kind of found out, and the guy's like punching her, and you feel that like this isn't like the Marvel films. This isn't like the fights that we normally see. It felt so much more abusive. It felt like uh, this like power thing. Like the only thing I'd really seen that really felt like that was Hard Candy. You ever see Hard Candy? Yeah. That 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 was that there was like people in a room that were that were balance. That was this balance of power that I'd never seen. You know, you know, in a room mm-hmm. that felt scary. It felt scary how predatory that guy was. And when he put his glasses on, he he like he gathered himself and he was the villain again. But it, it was it was out of this world, man. Like I, everything wasn't super. The problem is they're tackling something super crazy, which is like human trafficking. Right. And the whole subject of like. You know, you finally find out what happens to these soldiers. Their uteruses get taken out. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, they handled that. Sometimes I feel like when it comes to more serious stuff, Disney can, Marvel can handle it a little, like, weird. Like, it doesn't feel like they give it the weight that it should have. But the fact that people don't, people, this may be the first time that people are finding out about things like this. And it's weird that it's like a comic book film that you like. Well, Man. I think they. I think that scene was a was like a reference to the scene that so many people were bothered by in uh, yes, Age of yes. Ultron. Yeah, yeah I, And I never. I honestly, I'll be honest. I never thought that line 
said what people seem to think it said. Like mm. when she refers to herself as a monster in the frame of like what's been done to her. I think people heard that line and linked it directly to the idea that she couldn't have children and that's what made her a monster. But I didn't think that's what what oh, Natasha yeah, was right. saying. I always thought she was saying like the cumulative effect of everything she's done right. and that she's right. no she's better than, than say the Hulk, you know. Yeah, but I think yeah. the way Joss Whedon wrote that scene and the way it was handled, it may have let people connect those two thoughts too mm. closely. I felt I like in this her. movie, really opening up that moment and having like Florence Pugh and uh, Scarlett Johansson their characters like almost like trying to shame David Harbour just for Harbor, like yeah. just for being a man in that situation and like step because yeah. he said something really sexist and insensitive right before that but it's like I felt like it was that scene was written to sort of reclaim that idea of like let's yeah. talk about what happened to Black Widow and to uh her sister her adopted sister as as the horrific physical process that it is but not yeah. something that makes them any less of a woman you know what i mean i think that was yeah. the yeah. key thing about that and that was why it was kind of played a little bit acerbically but i thought that was handled well but i agree with you ronald that it was almost like it was like wow they're they're just dealing head on with this like that beat felt very that language felt like it was at the top end of PG-13 in terms of subject matter. And just in yeah. terms of you compare it to the way th these movies normally skirt around any mention of stuff like that. But I guess there have been little odd references, you know. But the sex, the sexual references and references to anything that you might call mature content like that, um, or even just graphic content, it's not. there's not much in all these Marvel movies. There's maybe only a nah. few lines that even acknowledge that side of, <laughs> of human existence, you know. So, yeah. Um, and you know, a couple of them come from Star Lord, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. I th I think that like that moment really was kind of caught you, but I, I think that was very deliberate. That it felt like, are they talking about this in a, in a Disney yeah, movie? Yeah. You know, but or as they say in and it's always sunny. It's the implication. <laughs> it's the implication. But yet yeah, there was a lot of that done in a way that you know it could. It some of it felt a little messy, but the fact that that's in a film now, that's in a Disney film now is so fucking cool i i can't i think i think we're in the beginning stages of these th of these things kind of evolving you know mm -hmm. and this is this is kind of the first thing you know it came out at a weird time it was supposed to come out a year ago should have came out several years ago but what it what it is putting in it in the film is something that i haven't seen in a marvel film yet and hats off to Marvel for even attempting to do it, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. like a big feat. Well, yeah. anything right. else to say about Black Widow before we move on to our, our final topic, which is we kind of talked a lot about the implications already. The implications. The implications. But we didn't talk about the actual episode, uh, the Loki finale, uh, which was called, what was it called? Always Forever or something like that? For... Uh, some for something always. Yeah. Uh, what was it? <laughs> I, I remember seeing it on the pop up when it was when it was watching it. Oh God! I'll just gotta look I'll it just up. Vamp. I'll just vamp while you're looking it up. But yes, this was the. You know, I think we the major question going into this episode was the thing we talked. You got it. What is it? For all time. For always. all time. Always. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The um. The question going into this episode was the very thing we kind of debated last week, um, which was like, how are they going to handle 
not just the question of who's going to be sitting behind this scheme, because last week on the show, they busted their way through everything that was barring their, their entry to the world of whoever is behind what we've been watching on Loki. There's a, we, we knew that the timekeeper myth was not real, so who's really doing it? This week started with us finding out, and before that, we had a little talk about like what would be the most satisfying thing to see, what did we expect the show to do? What's interesting is how much we were dancing around all the things they were going to do. We yeah, just didn't yeah. know how much they were going to manage to fit into this episode. But we got a little Loki versus Loki, maybe not in the way we thought, but we did get a little sense of like that battle being important. We got an introduction to a major new idea, but we got it in a, in a way that was able to be wrapped up within a within an episode and yet still hint. And I guess we've been dancing around this. Jonathan Majors uh, as He Who Remains... Um, in this episode, but like they made kind of a big deal when they cast Jonathan Majors to be the villain in Quantumania. I just remember somewhere there was text about like, uh, there was text. That's what we say now, right? No, I was going to say there was ink. I don't know what I was going to say. There was chatter about how they had, to, they, they really were looking for the right person to fit this role that was going to be an integral thing. And that's got people, mm. that got people to talking about, oh, if he's playing Kang the Conqueror, I'll say it, uh, who's a big villain in the comics, that could be the next big thing. That could be the next Thanos level threat to this world, you know? And I didn't really think about it much after that, except that when we talked about last week, like when Kang shows up, what's it going to be like? And I was kind of thinking they might do something like they did with Thanos, where he shows up and he's, I am Kang. You know, I, and I was like, I just didn't think that would be a satisfying conclusion to the story we were getting on Loki, though I wanted it to be more character based, you know? And, and darn right. it, if they didn't like overcome my misgiving there by saying, yes, we're going to give you Kang or some form of Kang, but we're going to give it to you in the form of a, a monologue, essentially, by a character. And what I suddenly was like, oh, no wonder they made such a big deal out of casting Jonathan Majors, because this role for this actor promises to be this bonanza where he can Craziness. show up as yeah. different versions of himself and every time be a guy who's stirring shit and every time be a guy who's like, you wait till, wait till the real one comes. Wait till the one that I'm afraid of comes. Wait till the, you know, like, so if we do wait until, say, Quantumania in 2023, which is Ant-Man 3, if that's when Kang the Conqueror, the kind of villainous one, arrives, okay, but if not, in between all these movies that we know have an, a, a multiversal element to them, I think that seeing Jonathan Majors pop up just here and there, maybe he'll be a big character, maybe not. But I think that sounds so much more satisfying than the post-credit scenes with Thanos and them ever were. Um, in the sense of like, here's a guy who like, as crazy as that character is, they tried to say, well, what's the most grounded version? If a guy's lived a million lives and he's seen everything that's ever happened, wouldn't he be kind of weird? Wouldn't he be kind of starved for attention? Wouldn't he be kind of theatrical? I mean, I, I'm, I'm just saying, I think we still see a character there. Just like with Thanos, they tried to give us a character. So I think what made me instantly go, okay, I'm okay with this, is they gave us a character. But they also gave us something else that I wasn't factoring in, which was the word cliffhanger. This is not a series finale. This is not a. This is not the last chapter of a story. This was a season finale for a show, and season finales for shows can, can they can leave as many dangling threads as they want to. You know right. what I mean? It does, it's more about yeah. like what was the journey of this season, and I felt like I suddenly clicked into like, wow, I can totally see how this season of television both sets Loki up on his own journey and gives him a new. We've got a whole new feeling about Loki than we ever had. It hints at the future of all these other crazy things, but just the chaos of what we were seeing happening with the timeline. I mean, like I felt a real like season finale of Lost almost kind of feeling, where I was like w watching something where the implications—there's that word 
were just driving like I was going nuts with the implications at the end of this episode of like what it, again if they pull it off well what they can do now and what they've just put in motion um you know it's it's really interesting like and I think that like it didn't get too big because it was still focused on three or four characters um yeah I just was like I can't believe they were able to do what they did in this one episode as far as like making me feel okay about the unresolved nature of it and just what they have planned and the casting of Jonathan Majors on and on. I just thought this was a really cool, a really cool way to end the season, which made me realize that yes, last episode was the kind of action episode of the season, the way the penultimate episode of a season can be. This was more the like picking up the pieces and looking at the future. Um, so yeah, Loki will return in season two. Fine. They've got me, they've got me on the hook. I felt like the, the t- TVA stuff was a little undercooked this week. That was the only thing that really seemed like it suffered much because that didn't really change much. But even then, we've got Ravana Renslayer out there wandering the time stream, doing what she's doing. We've got, you know, Owen Wilson. That situation at the end, like, where are we in the timeline? What's happening here? That was almost like Planet of the Apes level, like, mindfuck. Like, okay, what does Loki do now? It's a real question. And I thought that was cool. That was cool to end the, end the season in a new status quo that we don't quite understand yet. Are you on the hook? Uh, much like a minotaur, <laughs> this show is very bottom heavy. I think it was written last episode, last two episodes back. This doesn't feel like it didn't feel like it came together in a way that I liked, but damn, were the last two episodes incredible. Like I, to, to, to even consider this the same show. The, the 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 level of good that this got in the last two episodes is a little strange. <laughs> they it felt very bottom heavy in that way. But the introduction of uh, introduction of uh, Jonathan Majors Kang, come on! I mean, I love Jonathan Majors. I ch- we we all all three of us champion him. Like he's yeah. the, you know he's he's one of the greats, uh, one of the young greats that's kind of come right. I think that Tom Hiddleston. It's one of those guys that just he's working he's working on a couple levels, man. He ha- he has it all. He has the looks, he has the delivery, he has like he emits a lot of emotion in a really short amount of time and in very weird situations. And you know, you know, we talk about that uh, kind of balance of power in Black Widow that scene. I think what was really cool about this was kind of this mirror that was happening during the course of the, the the TV show. You had this trickster that was kind of trying to get get in where he can get in and, you know, maneuvering and taking and stealing and lying and, you know, yeah. going to other timelines. Well, you have another person who's kind of on the on the other end that's doing the exact same thing. But but the stakes are so much higher for him. He's he's trying to ruin time as as we know it and and conquer on a level that's just so much more big and destructive so to to see these kind of things you know like loki came at the end and he's like i've done all this stuff and i don't i don't feel the same way that i do in the end i don't want to be this evil person and at the end he met a person that's like i don't care about this i don't care about you you, you're a small piece of this, whether he realized it or not. This trap that was set in the end by this man was so interesting. 
because Loki was so used to doing this to other people. Mm-hmm. When he got done to him, it was like, oh, that's what it is. It's like, you know, you you life is funny, man. It's like you 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 you're on the other end, and you're like, it's like, um, I was I'm a, I was a real bad kid in school, man. And one day I met a kid that reminded me of me when I was a kid. And I was like, was I like that when I was a kid? Was I that kid that was, it's it's like that when you- Was it you? Was it you from a different- (laughs) Oh shit, was was it a Ronald variant? Was it Roland? At this point, it may have been a variant and I just didn't know. Right. And that's what happened to, to, to Loki. He got at the end of the story and met a person who was just as interesting a trickster this is interesting a person, but his goals are very different than his. And um, I love that, man. Like I that, loved you, it. When he said, we're all villains here, I thought that was such a great, like, oh, God, you know, we're, like, we're all yeah. friends here, kind of. But, like, the way that, like, it's made, that scene really made you realize that as much as we've come to appreciate Loki's nature as someone who can shift from good to evil, that, mm-hmm. like, he still represents that. Well, I mean, he said it to Sylvie, like... You can't trust You're anyone, yeah. and I can't be trusted. Oh yeah, and then what? What? Uh, what? He who remains said to Sylvie was like, "We're all kind of the same in this way. Don't kid yeah. yourself that you haven't done awful things. There haven't been consequences, yeah. you know." So yeah, it yeah. really did make it feel to me like this is like a scene on Batman where it's like Catwoman and Penguin and Joker are all sitting in someone's lair talking, except for Loki is suddenly the the one who's like the most human in a strange way, like. Yeah, it's questionable yeah. whether he he should be trusted or not. That that's a new thing that we are actually questioning whether we should trust him or not. And to see right. that he like lays himself out there the way that he does and gets like not quite stabbed in the back but pretty close to it. I mean that was that was you know and he played that moment great like when it cuts to him in the TVA and he's just wrecked like before he finds his determination to kind of see what happens next. I mean we've never seen Loki like just look sad before. I mean he was just sitting there like heartbroken and we kind of felt it and i think you're right ronald tom hiddleston is sort of the magic of that moment i mean I, we've, yeah. we've seen a lot of good actors on this show um particularly in the last couple of episodes you know richard e grant owen wilson i don't know the woman who plays sylvie but she's really been great in the last couple of episodes she has been jonathan majors terrific it's just like i do think there's like something some of these actors bounce off each other in a way that takes everybody's game up a little bit. But, you know, I, th- the first shot of Jonathan Majors, when those doors open and he was sitting there leaned back, I mean, I was just like, oh, God, they're doing it, and they're doing it in such a cool way that he's yeah. just like this, not quite, I, I did say like Batman villain, but he almost seemed to be playing it that way. Like he was having fun being like this theatrical version of a of a villain, which, I don't know, you know, I'm constantly impressed with his acting, but you, I, I wonder if, Tom Hiddleston in that scene was kind of giving him something to bounce off of because we're not used to seeing Loki be kind of like momentarily thrown off by somebody <laughs> like this. Yeah. Like Loki didn't know what to say to that guy. Yeah. It's kind of like a, the opposite in terms of like if he is becoming like the next big villain or if that's what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, the, the that kind of introduction is, is, and I kind of felt that same way. Like, you know, even when those doors opened, it was very disarming to like kind of see how that character is introduced and then what that performance looks like from Jonathan Majors, like, you know, versus something like Thanos or, you know, whatever, like how big and bold those, those entrances were, those, those teasers were uh, when we first started seeing Thanos, like if Kang becomes some version of that, you know, this version of Kang, this Kang prime or whatever he was referred to as like, 
you know, <laughs> this, 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 this guy who uh, Loki and Sylvia are kind of, they have like their, their matrix moment with, you know, to kind of like get the, <laughs> get the download on like what's going on. And, you know, it's, it's kind of handled better than it was, uh, I think in the matrix, but it's, <laughs> it is an interesting, like kind of introduction to a character because, you know, it, 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 Suffice to say, like, that's the last time we'll see that version probably of Kang, right. you know, and like, you know, and when he says to her, well, you know, I'll see you soon. Like, that is very kind of haunting and in more ways than one, you know, kind of scary. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Overall, I think the, the same pretty much where you guys are is especially in the in the back half of the season. The last three, I guess, you know, two, three episodes, I feel like definitely kind of uh rounded out the season on a very positive note for me. I do agree that I think like a lot of the TVA stuff and that's maybe because they know, you know, there's going to be a second season and that's going to become a really big, important part of like what happens next. Um, but like a lot, some of the like uh, Renslayer stuff and like, I think some of those moments kind of fell a little flat for me. Like yeah. some of those big like reveals of, of when she went back and saw her like this character as a teacher and like, that's not her yet or whatever it was, you know, these these variants um hopefully we get a lot more exploration of that in in the second season and, and you know the implications of what just happened but you know i think i think the way the season rolled out was 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 like again on a high note and i i find it interesting that you know this does feel like the one that has the most impact on the mcu as a whole obviously um so it does make sense i guess for it to be something that we get a second season of and it's really interesting too, just like kind of like circle back a little bit, like in this whole experience of the MCU, like we've been kind of fed information and teases and things like that. Like if you think about, you know, or something I was thinking about recently was like how much we would get from like the stingers, you know, and like these teases in the credits through the last decade of the MCU and like really kind of what these shows have done, at least in the first three iterations of them is that it really has done a lot to like kind of make another level of like uh, stingers, you know, like, so the stingers that are in the shows that like the few that were there or even in black widow, it's yeah. like these shows are kind of um, operating and doing some of the work that those stingers used to do in the MCU movies, mm -hmm. you know, like what, like how much more we get with Kang in the last, you know, parts of this episode you know, versus like you said earlier, John, like the little glimpses that we would get into Thanos over the, the movies that he would appear in the stingers. It's doing a lot of legwork so that when he is fully present as the big bad in right. Quantumania or whatever becomes like his presence is going to be it's going to be a big impact statement, you know, when it actually happens, because we've had this time with Jonathan Majors in this finale of this TV series. So like, yeah. I think that's really interesting that beyond our, our titular characters that like, you know, these, these villains, if they do play a part in the MCU as a whole, you just got to spend like 30 minutes with him basically giving a monologue of like why he's going to possibly be a bigger threat than Thanos ever was, you know, like kind of thing, which is kind of insane, but yeah. And what um, he represents, what's beyond him, like that moment where, right. where he said, I don't know, 
I don't know what happens now. You know, that was really like kind of seven, creepy eight, and nine, interesting. That's like ago. that's yeah. like God saying to you, "Oh no, everything up till now was my plan, but now I have no concept." Yeah. I also thought there was a little meta commentary with him almost being like a viewer because he was talking about how he's seen it all, and he talked about them yeah. sitting by the lake and how that was very sentimental, very touching, or whatever. And and even like the script to the show you're watching, sitting on the desk, you know, all that stuff felt yeah. like they were they were piling in lots. Like he's this, he's got this kind of. He can have a kind of meta without being meta aspect to him because yeah. the world that he traffics in is is pretty meta to our characters. You know, yeah. the notion that he's watched them like a show um, and that he's seen everything. It's like, I almost wonder how true could it be that he's seen everything? But it also seems like, yeah, if he's had all the time in the world to do it, um, yeah, that weird moment where he says we're beyond the threshold. Like that idea, you know, the way Marvel throws these things into the movies, like beyond the threshold, beyond the time. Like, I just feel like there's certain verbiage that we might hear again and again in these in these movies, sure. you know, and the timeline sure. alone, just seeing the branching timelines where it kind of looks like breaking glass or something, and then thinking about what we've got coming and hearing that, oh, maybe they've cast Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, or although maybe Andrew Garfield supposedly not, but different characters from different versions of Spider-Man oh, sure. coming. Right. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, that that stuff feels really like, okay, now when that stuff yeah. happens, audiences yeah. may be primed and ready and understanding, like, even if we don't know what it means, the word multiverse yeah. is in our brains now, you know? Multiversal yeah. war, he said, like, two or three times. That started to sound to me like... I can just picture the comics with like the little, you know, the way they do Ronald when it's like a, a big event and it, they have a little banner across yeah, the top so that it's says like the it's multiversal war. I mean, I can just feel like this is, yeah. you know, it. but I, I do think you guys are very correct that they, if, you know, if the, if their hold on any of this tonal stuff slips, it could get too out there too whatever for, for the common Marvel fan. But I think yeah. thus far they've shown such genius for how to, how to string people along that I would almost be surprised if they don't, if, if there's not enough of an emotional hook to make those things work because the stuff we're talking about right now is kind of the head spinny stuff. But when you're watching the movies, it's more about the well, the moment like broken hearted Loki sitting there. I mean, the camera held on him for thirty seconds. You know, like yeah. they they still make time for that stuff too. So yeah. So I think uh, the question I have is that what did the reveal of He Who Remains mean? to someone who hasn't even heard of Kang or doesn't know anything about what might be coming? Like, how did they feel about that? Yeah. I bet that the episode still explained his story enough for them that they yeah. didn't need to know all that. And when it says coming back in season two, I really do think that earns a lot of goodwill for a story that feels kind of mysterious or incomplete. We're very yeah. accustomed to, and in fact, it used to be a big thing. Television series, almost every season was supposed to end with some kind of a, I can't wait to see what happens next kind of feeling, you know? So... No, it's not. It, it's just new for Marvel. I, I can't forget which of you that said that, but like uh, the way the shows are, are yeah, I think you said, Steve, kind of comparing them to teasers. Yeah. The shows, yeah. they, they, I think, hopefully you won't have to see the shows to enjoy the movies, but definitely like, well, even the Black Widow moment that leads into the Hawkeye series, Florence Pugh is confirmed as being on the Hawkeye series. So it's like, right. now we understand how that might be taking shape. And now I'm wondering, like, well, when are we going to see a U.S. agent popping up again, yeah. um, you know, with uh, Count Countess Valentina or whatever, and everyone she's kind of getting together. So um, seeing Yelena as, a, um, as an adversary for Hawkeye before she fully becomes, like, one of our heroes is a, is a fun middle stage for, like, a trained assassin. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I think, I think we're getting into this thing where a villain's a little different in mm -hmm. this phase like 
More we're going to see the equivalent of like a split sort of performance with Jonathan Majors. I know. I mean, there's no telling how different these different versions of him may be. We're going to see like a, that's the only thing I really think of is like the, the level of acting that was in split where you were like, these are distinct characters, you know, that, that feel very different. Like, you know, the only, the only thing that connects them is their faces. And everything else is totally different, different motivations, different feelings, different tone. Jonathan Majors has that range. And I'm just really looking forward to this villain feeling a look. Thanos was like a kind of like a you felt the emotion a little bit. And I really did understand his motivation. But this guy we're going to see fleshed out a little more, you know, through the show, through the, you know, what that he's going to be in like. 50 things at this point uh so to see this version of a villain where we see him a little more fleshed out to see a couple of versions of him to see mm -hmm. maybe even accent changes uh <laughs> you know i'm that's gonna be nuts man yeah yeah be nuts so yeah Sorry. well we didn't understand anything about thanos until infinity war really i mean as far as his right. real plan yeah. his real personality yeah, and as you said steve we've already kind of gotten something of the brief on this new character before we've seen him do and i mean we know he was behind the whole storyline of loki so there is in a way he's like a villain who we've seen his work but right, it didn't right. feel like there was like an urgent like plan that he was trying to perform that it was more about that moment of crossing the threshold and like right. also the kind of playing god and seeing seeing what would happen when these two characters find out the truth or what he's telling them is the truth like that loki versus loki fight was really satisfying because you understood why it was happening like you understood why yeah. these two characters would in this moment particularly why she would fight him and why he was kind of fighting to stop her and not to hurt her. Um, but yeah, like that, that, that moment of watching them and like, just being like, at this moment, I don't know what happens. And you could, uh, there was a one shot where they, he was in the back. I think it was when they were kissing where he was just in the back. Yeah, just looking watching at them. Them. And again, yeah. like us, like, like a viewer, you know, being like, I, I'm, you know, so he, he, you could tell he loved seeing what happened, even though he was ready to be done. Um, so yeah, I think Jonathan Majors, I mean, if that might be, like you said, Steve, the last time we see that iteration, but the fact that there's so many different ones and you know who one of his possible origins is too, that he's, you know, that he mentioned he's from the 31st century, which is like kind of fun and cool, but he's a descendant of Franklin Richards, or at least of the Richards family, maybe, maybe Reed, Reed Richards' dad or something, but he's connected to the Fantastic Four, like in the comics, they've retconned Kang as a possible descendant of a future descendant of you know the fantastic four um, oh, wow. so that's kind of you know no, cool knowing they're going to bring that in is it makes me wonder if if they're going to if they're going to do that if we're going to find right, out right. more about who he was in the future you know wow the original version of him so no it's deep i mean it's but it's mind-boggling and i think what you guys were saying at the beginning of this episode maybe we're bookending it with that idea that like if they can balance that character stuff that you care about with this mind-bending twisty stuff um, I don't know. It there's something the inner comic book fan of that I am, you know, always carry around with me is like it's excited that they're getting to some of this stuff, even if I recognize this could be the very thing that turned people off, turns people off. But a talking raccoon didn't turn them off, you know. Uh, right. An alligator with a helmet uh, very recently was making headlines. <laughs> so I really think Marvel has kind of figured out a way to, like I said, figured out a way to bring people along, even if they don't think they're into this kind of super geeky stuff. Yeah. No, I agree, definitely. Um, all right. Well, what's so? What's next? Is it is Shang Chi next? Shang Chi's next, or is yeah. it, that's the next one, right? And that's in September. September. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, what if Damn. is next? Then Shang Chi. Oh right, I'd say in August. Then possibly Hawkeye. They haven't announced that yet. Then the Eternals. Then Spider Man, and that's all before the end I, of the year. I feel like yeah, it seems like Hawkeye would be like in like October, November, or something. Yeah. It feels like it'd be around that. You know, yeah. that's like the blacks. That's like the blank, or the that's like the open spot that they don't have covered for the rest of the year, basically. Right. Uh, it looks like, at least. Um, what are you guys most excited for out of all that that next wave of stuff? Maybe not just through the end of the year, but like a little bit after. You know, we know we're getting a couple of other things next year too. So, I would say through the end of the year, probably. Oh, man, I, I would say not through the end of the year because I think my thing I'm most oh, excited for oh, is, oh, is, oh. is Multiverse of Madness. I think that's the thing I'm that's the oh, most on my okay. mind i would say like the next yeah you know, that, that next wave of stuff that we that feels that feels upcoming right yeah multiverse is it seems like it's gonna be bonkers uh i can't wait for black panther 2 um i don't know they all sound it's like i lean towards i mean just gravitate towards the ones that have already kind of established a little bit like mm-hmm. love and thunder looks like it's gonna be amazing mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was, you know, thinking of what we just talked about, just at least specifically through the end of the year. You know, the Spider-Man thing is really, yeah, could be fucking cool, man. Yeah, like I, I feel like that could be a moment in a theater, nowhere near the level of an Endgame kind of thing per right. se. But you know, to to really kind of play on that theatrical theatrical experience and like that collectiveness of like a payoff. You know, if they pull that off and they actually go for that whole, you know, multiple Spider-Man and, you know, if they're, if they're going towards the Sinister Six for that whole franchise, um, that would be pretty wild to, Tom to see that falling, on the screen. And he can't possibly save the day, but then another whoosh, another web shoots in. Oh, my in, God. And then we look up it just and gave see, me cold chills saying see that, that creep Tobey Maguire standing there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Spider-Man's my favorite character. No, honestly, uh, th- don't you think general. that's the big opportunity, Ronald? Don't you think Spider-Man is the opportunity to be like th- to have that sort of it's the Batman level character that they have, but I yes, mean like absolutely. to me th- when we've talked about that, that notion of them pulling off the multiple Spider-Man or the multiverse that we saw in the animated version, Spider-Man into the multi right. into the is it called into the multiverse? Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Um but like um like if they can pull that off live action, what they did in that movie, just just the idea of multiple Spider-Man working together, that that'll, that'll yeah, we we won't need a million heroes showing up at once for that moment to have power. Yeah, uh, yeah. The same way that multiple Batman uh, actors being in the upcoming Flash movie feels hopeful that like that can be an incredible storyline too, because all these are like not just cool different versions of characters, but a lot of them are iconic. You know, like Michael yeah. Keaton coming yeah. back to Batman, like. Not that Tobey Maguire, it's not quite that, but Tobey Maguire doing Spider-Man again, especially now that we've seen the kind of uh, middle-aged, schlubby Spider-Man version from Spider-Verse. I think there's, there's, they, they can have Man. a lot of fun with like what's happened to these characters uh, when we haven't seen them, you know, for years. So, and just yeah, like, and if you just think about like where those characters stopped, you know, like where yeah. Andrew Garfield's where where Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man stopped, you know, in those movies, you know, what 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 happened to Gwen and like, you know, and where Toby's Spider-Man would be in that multiverse, like right. what they would bring into this one, I just feel like those characters have a lot of weight on their shoulders uh in different ways that a new Spider-Man that is just really kind of getting to a point that he's experiencing something unique to him, which is basically being outed. 
you know, that would be an interesting, I think, you know, co collision of not only different Spider-Men, but like uh, different experiences that, you know, would probably make each of them better, you know, in, in, in as a whole. I don't know. I, I just think that's going to be awesome if they do that. I mean, I, I hope they do. I hope they pull it off in some way. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Ronald, what percentage of Spider-Man No Way Home do you think is going to be Tom Holland doing that? He's, he's got a really good, like, confused face, you know, when he's, like, looking at something and he's shocked. Like, what do you think? What percentage of the movie is going to be just 85%. that face? 85%. 85% <laughs> of it is just going to be his different angles, yeah. this confusion all the way, because it's going to be insane, all the things that they're going to be doing. It's exciting. It's really yeah. exciting. You know, something interesting... I'm we should probably wrap it up. But one, one other interesting thing about the idea of what could happen with that Spider-Man movie is just the idea that that one is kind of a unicorn because not only is the MCU Disney Marvel of it all happening in that movie in terms of balancing that universe. I mean, contractually, that universe also can and probably will overlap into this Sony Spider-Man universe. Like you were talking earlier, Ronald, with yeah. Venom and carnage and all these things that they're working on rolling out and they really are trying to get a sinister six thing going. So it'd be yeah. really curious. And I'm very interested to see that, that one specifically because of that topic is just that like, not only is Feige managing, you know, the Marvel Disney MCU mm. and you know what that means for Tom Holland and, you know, these other versions of Spider-Man, but you know, if, um, you know, if you do see Venom, you know, are you are you also going to see Topher Grace at some point? You know, you know, you know the idea that these things cross, yeah. you know, into this Sony Sony Spider Verse or whatever they're calling it. I guess I guess Spider Verse, but it's just really really cool yeah. stuff. And I mean, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But I mean, we only got you know five months wait time at this yeah. point, so I it'll know. be here sooner than sooner than we know. So sheesh, <sighs> man. All right, all right. Let's wrap it up. Um, so yeah, this this this, this show is normally on youtube uh if you are listening to it somehow some way it got onto the movie schmovie feed this week um, and you want to keep listening to this kind of stuff you know the, the marvel talk the uh comic movies series just news in general if you head over to our youtube uh, youtube.com slash movie schmovie subscribe you can turn on the alerts there to be able to see this show in its regularity um and also you would still see the podcast feed there too because on youtube that that's present there also but the marvel schmarvel is uh you know solely on youtube so if you want to kind of keep up with the talk about marvel everything that we just talked about obviously there's a lot coming down the pike if you want to keep up with it with us head over to youtube and subscribe and make sure you turn the alerts on so that you can uh, be notified when new episodes come out um and if you somehow are watching this listen to this however and you want to kind of check out the other thing the movie movie of it all you can find that podcast again on youtube or if you want to listen audio only you can find it on any podcast platform i think we're on all the major ones um what else did you guys want to mention is anything else that we're missing before we wrap this up i don't think so so oh korg and and deadpool and the yeah the react a, trailer thing yeah. yeah i mean that just acknowledges Great. that they're in the same world yeah yes. it's pretty cool everybody out there just look for korg and deadpool and you'll have your trailer reaction free guy a little so chuckle <laughs> little chuckle it's or two really it's very funny it's him very wrestling funny. with the the ring light there's like a quick shot of him trying to set up yeah the, that that made me laugh you know if there's something yeah. about yeah ryan reynolds in that role that 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 
gets gets you giggling, you know? He's just a he's a giggle getter. He's so, he's so good. I love him so much. And I mean, honestly, is. them together, yeah. Them together, obviously they're both in free guy, but I mean, I just feel like when Tiger's timing meets timing, the, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like his rant at the end about like how to get into the MCU, <laughs> you know, what, what his recommendation is. It's just, it's so perfectly timed. It's so good. Yeah. yeah good call, Ronald. Yeah. The, the trailer Deadpool trailer react for uh free guys is quite, quite a good watch. It's really good. Um, so we'll check in with you guys next Marvel of it all. I don't know what that'll be. Um, yeah. at least probably, I guess, I don't know if it'll be till September, but, um, if something big comes up, maybe we'll throw an episode together. Um, but again, YouTube is where it's at. If you want to keep up with Marvel Schmarvel, Hey, and this, Marvel, this episode Marvel. gave us a, a good outro line too. I was just thinking. Uh, I'll say it when you're done. We got a good one. Yeah, time. go ahead. No, are you done? <laughs> I wasn't going to go into the other line that we've been using to okay. introduce our podcast listeners and how great that one was. Well, this one's pretty simple, but see you soon. Come on. See you soon. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> sure. See you yeah. soon. It works go. better if you're getting like a dagger shoved through you when you're saying it, but still. Right. Yeah. right. Isn't that what he said? See you soon. See you soon. Yeah, that's what he said. Bye.